Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church, Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another and impacting the world. I did omit to invite you all to have some tea, refreshments, coffee, some eats after the service. So don't run off. Uh, do stay behind with us and, and have uh, some fellowship. So this morning, I am going to divert from the series in Exodus. Always, I find it quite difficult to preach individual messages. And, uh, and so I'm going to be preaching a message this morning that uh, probably ministers to me first, before you. Uh, so uh, I hope it's going to be a message of encouragement. Uh, and, and so turn with me to Romans 8. Romans 8. And I want to read from verse 18. We're going to consider verse 18 through to verse 25. So Paul writing, he says, For I consider that the suffering of this present time, the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Just so far. Lord, we do pray that your word would really penetrate our hearts. That your spirit opening our eyes and ears to the truth that you've revealed. And Lord, confessing our own limited understanding of the present. But knowing, of course, that we are finite creatures. But you, Lord, the infinite, the almighty, the all-glorious God. And so, be kind and minister to each one yet today, we pray. Amen. Well, in the course of me and Carol raising four children, we did come to see that there are many children's movies that come and go. Isn't that true? But there's some that remain classics forever. And the one that I want to refer to this morning, most probably have seen it, been remade again and again, is the movie Annie. Remember the movie Annie? It remains a favorite. And so the question I want to ask this morning, what, what is it? What is it about this movie that is so gripping and stirring and moving and, and causes young children, but also us adults, older people, to keep watching it? And I'm sure most of us here today have watched it or seen this movie more than once. Well, one reason I believe is that the story, in the story, we see hope, 
realized. It's a story of hope, the outcome of hope. In case you don't remember or if you've never watched the movie, Annie, with a whole bunch of other orphans, are subjected to miserable institutional living under the drunken, wretched mother, house mother, Mrs. Hannigan. Remember that? And so the children know as they, as they live under her authority, they know that there is a better life to be lived. They're constantly singing and hoping. And, and that song has kind of stuck in my mind over the years. Tomorrow is only a day away. And they sing it again and again and again. Tomorrow is only a day away. And so these children know that things can be so different if they were placed in a loving family. And so for them, the prospect of adoption and family gives them hope for life. Now, children can teach us so much. Some years ago, here at Central little seven-year-old boy in our congregation taught me a great lesson. This fellow's dad passed away after a long illness. It was very, very difficult. And, of course, the explanation to a seven-year-old of his dad passing away, his dad going to heaven. This little fellow asked his mom lots of questions, and one of them being, what's it like for his dad now? She did her best to answer and came and chatted to me. And of course, we know little in the Bible of something of heaven. There's no pain and suffering. Your dad is no longer struggling. He's in a place of safety now. There's no crime. And somewhat lightheartedly, there are no potholes. And the streets in heaven are lined with gold. Never forget his response. It's not fair. Why can't we be there too? You see, Annie and this little fellow demonstrate so plainly the important truth of living with hope. And that's the message I want to bring to us this morning. It's a message we ought to repeatedly remind each other of. Something better. There is something better ahead for us believers. And so the, the implication of not putting all our eggs in this basket... Not, in, not holding on too tightly to that which is this familiar world that we live in. And so if you look at the very first verse, the Apostle Paul declaring, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed in us. Do you, do you see the picture that he's giving? And if that were to be applied to Annie, Annie, I want to tell you that your difficult time in the institution will seem like nothing, nothing compared to the time, the time when you would experience the glory of life in your adoptive home with Daddy Warbucks. Isn't that true? Anticipation, prospect, and hope. Was that seven-year-old boy expressed to his mom, just in my words, my version, when do we get to be where Dad is? I'm happy to leave all of this behind for that better place. And so, folks, coming to a passage like this this morning... God wants us to have a greater perspective in the way that we live our lives. Of course, this season has its place. God determines the number of our days. All the days ordained for you written in my book before one of them came to be. 
But God helps us to see in passages like this, and there are many other passages, that there's so much more to come. There's so much uh, more better to come. And so to live our lives with hope, and not just to become so engrossed in the presence, but have these expectations, this expectation that we'll unpack this morning for something far better. And so I want to present the passage uh, in answer to a question this morning. Why should you and I live loosely attached to this world with hope? Number one, if you're a believer here this morning, you are not yet uh, what you're going to be. You're not yet what you're going to be. Again, perhaps an illustration. Uh, we don't have too many younger families here this morning, but we do remember those of us who had little kiddies or grandkids. We train our toddlers not to hold on to their nappies too long. In fact, I happened to overhear a conversation at the getaway yesterday among some of the young mothers. Uh, when should little so-and-so stop wearing nappies? When should they become independent? And, and so there is this message, this, this understanding as a little child grows up, it won't be long and you won't be wearing nappies. You're going to be potty trained. You're still growing and it won't be long and you'll be able to flush. There's, there's anticipation, there's, there's hope for better things. And, and the truth be said, in this world, we people are weak and frail. We're imperfect. Our bodies are appropriately defined by the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians as wasting away. All of us, all of us, our bodies are wasting away. And so you and I, we, we suffer the afflictions common to man. And and eventually we die. The tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, 2 Corinthians 5.1. And so, so the, the analogy, we're still in nappies in this world, but we won't always be. Something far better awaits us. Verse 19 of our passage, for the creation, note, waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. And so the exact nature of what you and I will be is still largely hidden. God does not tell us everything about that particular season. But the sense of the passage is for the believer. It's going to be indescribably great when ultimately we share in the glory that God will be revealing for us and in us. The word here... Eagerly longing. The Greek word, word, word actually conveys the craning of one's neck. Longing to see. You know when we put our child on our, uh, your child on, on your shoulders and you want them to see something and they can't quite see it. And so you lift them up and they uh, put their head forward and, and they're craning, craning their necks to see what is currently out of sight. That, that, that's the picture we're given here of the world. The world anticipating uh, Creation uh, longing for something better. And, and the question is, why would you want to stay? Why would we want to only have this? And again, the analogy of nappies uh, walking and tripping uh, in a walking ring, uh, battling along the uneven surfaces of broken tiles, when, when in reality the analogy of flying in a mirage at 30,000 feet is going to be better. Just heaven and earth, or earth and heaven. So you certainly, and I'm certainly not yet, what God intends for us to be. But secondly, 
We do need to understand the present reality. And my second point, therefore, from this passage, you and I are part of a groaning world. The reason creation waits so eagerly, craning its neck, is that until glory is revealed, creation itself lacks the glory it ought to have. This world is not what it was intended to be. In verse 20, we're told there, for the creation was subjected to futility. Now pause and think about that as you look around the world. Not willingly, but because of him who subject, who is him? It is God. God who subjected it, but he did so in hope. And so at a certain point in time, back in history, the creation was subjected to futility. And, and so we, we need to recognize that we're living in a season, in an era, where the world that you and I live in groans. The world you live in groans. How did that happen? It happened in the Garden of Eden. It happened back at that time when Adam and Eve uh, disobeyed God. Uh, the response from God was to curse the world, to subject the world to a curse. In Genesis chapter 3, you can read of that and the banishment from the Garden of Eden. And so it is God who subjected this creation in futility, but with hope and, and the unfolding of redemption that, that we understood to unfold thereafter. This world is under the curse of God but with a hopeful purpose. And again, the passage is helpful. And uh, as I've lived my life, I've experienced different things. And uh, just thinking back some 17 years ago, uh, my mom passed away. And uh, she was very sick for quite a long time. And uh, my sisters had immigrated. And so we moved my mom to live with us. Carol was willing to look after her. And, uh, and so we would sit with my mom, and eventually we sat with her on the night that she died. On that night, I discovered there's a difference between the groaning that precedes death. You sat with someone who dies, it's not pleasant, not pleasant. There's a difference between that and the groaning of a mother, also in desperate pain, but giving birth to a baby. So just think of those two different scenarios. The picture in this passage is not a groaning to death. In other words, when you get to the end of this life, it's worse or it's gone. No, no, no. It's a groaning toward life, a groaning toward hope. And the whole creation, we're told here in verse 22, is a creation groaning together in the pains of childbirth. You see that? Painful in the present, but maybe I need to get a lady to stand up here because I've never had it. But, but after the baby's born, what happens? The pain is forgotten. That's what I'm told. And the delight and the joy of this bundle of joy that now enters into the life of the family. And so pain and suffering is a reality in the present, the longing for deliverance, but it's a longing for deliverance to that which is better. It oozes hope for the moment. And we can't get away from this. Even we believers cannot get away from this. The world that we live in tend toward, tends toward disorder and chaos. 
You watch the news this week, there's been this terrible crisis in Pakistan. Floods are taking place, and last time I saw, I think 1,100 people had already died, and thousands and thousands of people have been displaced. That, that's the nature of this world. We call them natural disasters, shortages of water and food in other places, lack of resources. This is a present reality. There are people, many people in this world uh, suffering. There, you know that in your own garden, weeds and thorns, you know, if you have an older car, rust and, 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 and deterioration begins to, to, to show itself. And, and, and uh, uh, the climatologists tell us there are holes in the ozone layer and carbon emissions and high temperatures in the UK and, and fires in other places of the world and melting ice. And, and what is that? Groaning. It's the groaning of the world subjected to futility. And it's in that context that Paul also adds, verse 23, not only the creation, but we ourselves. Not just natural disasters, but we people, grown, we people, like the creation around us, experience the reality of suffering. That, that is the nature of life. Longing, longing for deliverance. Longing for something better. People suffer. Maybe I should change that to people are suffering, even among, amongst us. People are suffering in varying degrees, in varieties of ways. People are groaning. The list is long. Just on, I think it was, when did we have the seniors? It was last Thursday, the 1st of September. I was sitting at a table uh, with others, and soon the conversation started to go, go to life experience. And of those sitting at the table, there were two of us who had lost spouses. There was one person who had lost a child, just at one table. The reality of, of, of suffering, of, of pain. Uh, there are those who struggle with the affliction of children born with disabilities. I prayed for Ron today in the prayer. Ron, Ron has, has uh, developed a serious case of Alzheimer's. Admitted to the frail care now at, uh, at, at Glen Haven. Previously capable, uh, groaning. You see the groaning. The, the others struggling with hardening of arteries and, and their road accidents and the spread of disease and, and there's war. Do, do, do you get the point? We, we also groan, dysfunctional relationships, unemployment, victimization. And, but, the, but the point of the message this morning is not to discourage you. It's, it's all of this groaning and it's not unto death but hope. Hope for glory. Importantly, importantly to see that the present is hard. It's hard. But there is consolation. There is support. There is prospect. There are prospects. Brings me to my next point in that in our groaning, we can know real support. Sometimes God doesn't take the particular affliction away. But He always stands with those, enabling them to cope through the affliction. We know the Bible tells us the reality of the Holy Spirit in His work. The current work of the Spirit in us. We're told in this passage, and look at this. In this passage, the work of the Spirit is simply a down pay payment of that which, is, or, or that which will be much more to come. Verse 23. We ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit. 
Don't forget daily. Sometimes it must be hourly. Lord, you have given me your spirit. I, I appreciate the support of the people around me. It's helpful. It's useful. But daily, momentarily, the spirit of God dwells within me and you as a believer. And, and he will carry us through to the end, through the difficulties that we go through. Not just the initial, initial conversion or the initial experience of salvation, but right through this experience in ups and downs and, and in the valleys and on the hills. The Spirit of God will carry the believer through to the end. He will get you to glory. He will strengthen you. He will be at work in you. Notice what the passage says. Uh, wait for it with patience as the, as the Spirit works within you. He is the first fruit. It's the seal, the down payment of redemption. It's a good through, uh, um, example of a theological truth, that perhaps uh, a phrase that would be useful to remember. When you are discouraged or disillusioned, don't remember uh, or do remember the phrase, the already and the not yet. There's a delight. I heard that delight this morning in the singing. People were rejoicing in their walk with God. There is a delight now. But the reality is, that's, that's something. That's just the deposit. That's that little slither of buravos that you take off the fire before the meal. It's, it's the foretaste of, of much more to come. We are already the children of God. We are already adopted into His family, and yet not in the full sense of it as described in this passage. We are not yet at that place where we manifest all of who the Father wants us to be. We, we share in some of the blessing, but all of the blessing He bestows, we still need to wait. Wait for that day. And until then, we groan. We get tired. We get sick. We get discouraged. But I'm hoping that what is to come will be of some inspiration to us. And let me move on to that with my next point. We will one day have a new body. Aren't you glad? Yes. Amen. It's okay to hope for a new body. Romans 8 verse 23. We ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. It's okay to not want to suffer. It's okay to, to want to be able to run and to walk and to see and be strong and to be healthy. But ultimately that is something we look forward to. On that day eventually when all pain and disease and deformity and disability will be gone. Folk, we can look forward to a day when it will be good riddance forever to the futility uh, good riddance forever to, to sin and, and then gro uh, the groaning. Uh, looking forward to a day when the, the body will not hinder us anymore in the way that we glorify God. Just to quote uh, John Piper here, he says, God's final purpose for you is not to have you floating as a spirit. Okay, that's rubbish, man. That's nonsense. Not floating as a spirit in some ghost-like mansion in the sky. His purpose for you is to raise your body from the dead, make it new and beautiful and healthy and strong. One of the reasons I chose to bury Carol's body 
because I thought it would be great to have a place where she will be raised, her body will be raised, to be united with her soul. God will take all his children, all of us, ultimately with new perfected bodies, and he's going to place them in the new heaven and the new earth to live and to reign, and folk not for a season then, forever and ever and ever. And so I understand better when I read this kind of passage why Paul is able to say for, for, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Trusting Jesus for salvation, redemption now, but the fuller redemption to come. So much to gain, ultimately, in that which he gives us. And so my third point is really a conclusion, just briefly. Don't hold on too tightly to this life. It doesn't mean we don't enjoy this life. Of course, of course. You see, this, this section of Scripture ends with two statements and a question and an answer. And I'm going to run through those just very quickly. The statements are summaries of what I've tried to cover. Verse 24. For in this hope we were saved. All right, so, so the, the, there's a statement. This is not all there is. If you're suffering and struggling and, and the world, no, no, there's much more to come. There's hope. He says that in the next phrase, the next statement. Uh, now hope that is seen is not hope. And, and there's a big lesson there for us. So ultimately we hope for our final adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Uh, we don't see that. We don't know exactly what that looks like. Can't fully comprehend it. But then Paul elaborates a little bit in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. That, and that's the message in this conclusion that I think we need to grab hold of. The things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. There are things, and, and, and the tendency is we hold on to the things we see. But those things that we see that are transient... They disappear. That's what transient means. They're, they're for a limited time. And, and so the question he, he's asking is who places their hope in what is soon gone? Doesn't make sense, does it? Place your hope into that which is gone, evaporates. There's something better and richer. We cannot see, and it's eternal. Verse 25. We hope, for, for if we hope in what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. The things around us that we see are but a mist. And so the encouragement of this passage is, why not then expand, broaden your horizon, preparing for that which is eternal and with God in His presence and the fulfillment of His purposes. Live this life. I've been one who believed that and I've tried to do that. My family and the church live this life with God, under God, for God. Do so to the glory of God. But, but be careful. Be careful as you do so, ensuring there's a loose attachment to things that are passing. In the world that is groaning. Looking forward instead with much hope. Adoption of sons and daughters the redemptions, redemption of our body. And folk, it is waiting patiently. 
which is quite difficult at times, I know. So, Lord, please help us, and even as we remembered earlier in the service today, that your Spirit prays for us as well. Won't you continue to build us in our relationship with you, and Lord, also with the truth that you've revealed to us about this life and this world, and even the pain and suffering of our own lives, but Lord, in a context that ultimately is indescribably better. Give us eyes to see and even ears to hear the truth that you give us to hope. And this we pray, Lord, for each other. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za.